Minister Kate Warden, thank you very much for coming into Karma this morning. It's an absolute pleasure. I was wondering if we could just start off by you telling us a little bit about why you're in Alice Springs. You're here for a while, uh, which is, uh, well, not unusual, but it's, it's great that to have people from up north come down to the centre of Australia to see what's happening here. Um, in what capacity are you here in Alice Springs for? I'm here in a number of capacities. Came down uh, uh, much earlier in the week, actually have made a trip up to Tennant Creek, um, met with the... Um, the ladies group that is doing some community safety work up there as a volunteer capacity. It was just lovely to meet them in person, also to meet staff uh, from my agency up in Tennant Creek and some stakeholders. Um, also, we've got last night we celebrated the Volunteer Sports Awards, which is uh, during COVID we weren't able to hold the big celebration around the annual sports awards. Of course, there was no international or national uh, events on. The the awards was scheduled for when we had the um, show, but of course when COVID came and the lockdown, we weren't able to have those awards. So originally they were going to be the first of the awards because we went uh, between Alice Springs right up to Darwin through to Gove to do really local awards. Um, but in fact, they ended up being the last, which was lovely to have that final celebration here in the centre last night and really thank all the sporting volunteers that kept, um, you know, sport going during COVID because lots of people, you know, it's great for our physical health, but it's also really good for our mental health. So that was really great. I met with lots of stakeholders, met with staff down here um, with all my different hats on, including disability, have met with some of the justice people while here. And uh, tonight I'm heading out to the BMX. So that'll be great too. That's sort of the final uh, end to my week. Speaking of sport, I was maybe throw you a question about the AFL this year. Obviously, due to uh, situations out of your control, we haven't seen any major AFL games in the centre this year. And I, I did hear that there was talk about maybe getting more games in the Northern Territory next season due to the fact that there was some cancelled. Have you had any discussions with the AFL about whether or not there might be any um, future further games. Game, future games yeah, or more sure. games for next year? I'm um, Actually, that sits with the Minister for Major Events, interestingly enough, but I have had um, discussions with AFL um, NT uh, around what they would like to see next year and, of course, we would like to see an increase of games next year. We are one of the only really safe places. We can see what's still going on um, in Victoria and New South Wales at the moment and, you know, to a le much lesser extent, they've got some issues right now in Brisbane. Um, so I think um, continuing that status for ourselves obviously puts us in a great position for any event beyond AFL. I'd absolutely love to see more games next year, but obviously players have to come from somewhere as well. So it's uh, the bigger, I, I would suspect that the AFL more broadly will be thinking about where its players can be located for the next season to occur, given what we're seeing nationally. The only message out of that is for me is to everybody to say, look, let's get the Territory vaccinated because then mm. that puts us in an even better space. Look, again, this is probably a question not for you as uh, <laughs> this is probably not within your portfolio, but as part of the Ghana government, can you maybe give us an idea of um, what you, you see the importance of getting vaccinated is? I suppose you maybe kind of entice it into your roles as a Minister of a Territory Families Minister for sure. Disabilities. Where do you work at in terms of getting people vaccinated for, pe for issues that fit under your portfolio? Well, I That's guess um, 
as a government, we've just got to be really consistent in the space. But what's important is it's actually not about individuals. It's actually about the broader community because there are people, particularly with the disability sector, there are people that can't get vaccinated. Uh, young people um, under the age of 12 currently can't get vaccinated. So uh, although that there is some, you know, there's some hope that in the, to the future that can happen, they are the unvaccinated population. A couple, About a week ago, uh, the statistics were around 10,000 young people in Australia in that age cohort had contracted COVID-19. So we have to protect them. So it makes sense that all of our frontline services uh, mandate that they are vaccinated from teachers right the way through to nurses. And I think our uh, you know, those people in those sectors are doing a fantastic job to date, but we need to make sure that everybody that's working day in, day out with people that can't get vaccinated are vaccinated themselves. That's really putting it out there around uh, how important it is to think of others. Um, and in this, it's not about ourselves. I'm, I'm fully vaccinated. All our staff are fully vaccinated. My entire family and household are fully vaccinated because we, it's not just about the freedoms. Of course, that's, you know, some of the freedoms you just touched on, you know, the ability for the territory to have and host things that other people can't. We can currently have conferences. You know, we enjoy a way of life here that others are just so envious of. We need to keep it that way, but we need to protect vulnerable people. And, and that's first and foremost. And, you know, even if you're not working as a frontline worker, you come across people that cannot be vaccinated, you know, whether it's at the shopping centre, uh, no matter where we are. And I think particularly for young people, and I think there's been some hot debate around teachers, it's not actually them having, uh, needing, um, you know, they can catch COVID. Yes, they can. But it's a longitudinal effect that COVID can have. And I think there's a term called long COVID mm. that applies to that. So we could see, um, you know, young people with uh, symptoms and problems in for many, many years, if not their whole lifetime, affected by COVID-19. So we need to protect people that aren't vaccinated. We need to protect people that cannot have the vaccine. Uh, we need to protect most vulnerable people in our community. And that's, um, you know, people living in remote um, Aboriginal people with underlying um, health conditions. That's our job as a community, as a whole. Um, and I think there's nothing more important at the moment. Under your capacity as a Minister for Disability, you would be probably aware there's a Royal Commission into Violence, Abuse, Neglect and Exploitation of People with a Disability at the moment. A couple of days ago, they released a draft report pretty much criticising uh, the Federal Department of Health in regards to its failure to consult with, I suppose, disability people who live with a disability, support workers, representation, organisation, service providers in regards to the COVID rollout and that, that there could be devastating effects for uh, people with a disability if uh, we open up too early. Now, from a Northern Territory government perspective and for people who live with a disability in this in the Territory, how, mu how much is the Ghana government doing to ensure that you know, people who do live with a disability are safe from COVID? Well, of course, we're encouraging anybody with a disability that can have the um, vaccination to get vaccinated. That's that's our most important health message, but right the way through the sector. So in the Northern Territory, uh, disabilities is whilst I am the Minister for Disabilities, we're a co-funder of the scheme. Mm. Uh, NDIS is what we're talking about. Um, and under that, um, all of the frontline workers in that space need to be vaccinated. And I, once we hit that target of 80% in November, that's our target, we've been very, very clear 
that all of those people will be mandated to be vaccinated. So there'll be that extra protection for people. And I think, um, you know, the Chief Minister has been extremely clear. If you work with vulnerable people, if you're working in those frontline services, we get to that stage where we're 80% vaccinated and you're not vaccinated, then you won't have a job. And I think that that's the really clear message. I I don't think that as a government we could have been any clearer. In, in that space, get yourself vaccinated. Even if you're not a frontline worker, if you're a frontline worker, you have to be vaccinated. We believe in mandating that. It's an important part of stepping forward, uh, particularly, I mean, you, you say with the disability sector, but it's, mm. it's way beyond that. There's a lot of people that perhaps can't have that vaccine because they've got those underlying health conditions. Um, I know there's some hesitancy for pregnant mums around the vaccine. Um, you know, those sorts of things. We need to be cognizant as a community that it's uh, if you can have the jab, then get it. Do you reckon there's vaccine hesitancy among disability and support workers about uncertainty and confusion within the territory? I'm not hearing that. So no. okay. I um, I speak to disability providers a lot. Uh, our um, we have a, a ministerial advisory committee, which is 90% made up of people with a lived uh, experience. So um, and they provide us that advice. That's not the advice coming through. We've we've talked. Of course, we've talked through it. Um, the the ones that I've spoken to uh, firsthand are particularly pleased that we've uh, stepped forward with a mandated you know agenda in that space for people working in the space so yes we, we have very good advice and um, and we are collaborative but I think that it, this is everybody's business it's not for us to sit there and say you know oh um, you know disabilities predominantly sits with the with or aged care sits with the federal government this is about mm. all of us as a community getting that message out you know, we talk about it all the time we spread the, the word every communication we can have is about getting the jab and that's just simply it if you can get the jab get it it's no it's not <laughs> not, not more complicated than that I know we're going to talk about the Youth Hub. We'll get that, that to that in a moment. I just have one more question in regards to the Royal Commission at the moment. And there was a case study that was being looked at in regards to a First Nations child who's been described as Miriam, um, who discussed uh, carers raising concerns to Territory families about um, things like sexual abuse uh, and other cases that apparently were not never disclosed to police. I mean, I'm I'm assuming you might be aware of this case and I am. what? Yeah. So obviously that's distressing to to hear. How much can you say things have improved? I, I uh, can give you great confidence that things have improved. So that's a historical case. Yeah. Um, and that's 2013, what, I believe. Yeah, yeah. And that's what Royal Commissions do. Uh, since 2016, and all credit to Dale Wakefield, uh, the previous minister in this space, uh, we've completely transformed child protection um, and that whole area uh, in the Northern Territory government. They've uh, changed, uh, they've invested heavily in our staff. Uh, we have significantly reduced caseloads down to uh, something around 20 compared to uh, a couple of hundred at that time. Uh, we have So we have much better trained staff in that space. We've in, in, it changed our uh, systems. We have um, a, uh, an approach under the signs of safety um, framework that mm. allows uh, a different type of assessment. So whilst... Um, you know, other jurisdictions are battling with uh, child protection and kids in care. Um, we are the only jurisdiction in Australia now that's seeing those numbers f- uh, decline. We've got less and less y- young people um, in care on an ongoing basis year on year. And that's something we're really proud of. But that was huge amounts of work done by Dale Wakefield. She really set the benchmarks 
um, with obviously with a great um, executive team in the department and those things have been addressed in a very, very big way, but also in a systemic way. So the whole agency has been reformed. The commission hasn't finished yet. And so I suppose we'll have to just wait until the full report comes down. But how committed are you to follow recommendations that the Royal Commission may have for the Northern Territory government? So we've got um, staff that are tracking um, the Royal Commission. Uh, We've got staff that are looking at systemic um, issues that are raised by the Royal Commission. Obviously, it's not just for the Northern Territory and they're looking at our agency uh, constantly around whether we've got the similar issues to interstate and those sorts of things. That's quite normal. So sometimes at, when you get to the end of a Royal Commission like this, um, as we did with youth detention, by the time the findings come out, you know, the agency will maybe already have made those changes. So I want to make that really clear, if any at all. But when these things do come out, we uh, we listen and we look at those recommendations and then we'll make a decision about whether they're applicable to the Northern Territory um, indeed and whether and what we would be doing about them. And, and we would respond and we'd make that quite public. Let's move on to the Alice Springs Youth yeah. Hub. Um, the Youth Hub will cut back its 24-7 school holiday operation and will close at 10 p.m., um, uh, I believe it's currently working under those. Yes, so it has uh, it, to ten PM at the moment. Yeah, yeah. Um, can you tell us a little bit about what measures are being taken to uh, reduce the amount of kids we see on the street after those early hours? So at nine thirty uh, each evening, um, a bus is provided. Um, very experienced Ten and Jira provide mm. that service and have been doing for some time. Um, you know those drivers know every single kid by name. They mm. know where they live, or they do know where they can sleep safely. So those young people are uh, taken home uh, during the evening or to a safe place um, that those drivers, you know, understand where they can go. So that that work's already happening. Um, those connections are already there. And, you know, I, I don't know about you. I was out last night and I don't think I saw more than about two young people out, whereas other times I've come to Alice Springs, there's been, there have been more than that. Uh, I know it's a bit cooler at the moment mm. and, and people tell me that, but it's certainly... Hot days are coming though. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, they are coming. But, um, yeah, so at the moment we've reduced that to 10 p.m. Um, and uh, we've all, we've, we know it's needed because we've still got quite a lot of young people coming through there. Uh, the evidence is showing this. A couple of days ago we had well over 100 uh, young people had already. That's unique. Mm individuals had accessed that service um you know it's about connections and it's about giving those kids a safe space and an opportunity to you know um unpack some of the issues surrounding them uh the recommendations from a report said that the actual hub uh, had incre- contributed to increased numbers of young people i suppose in on the streets in the early hours of the morning uh, when we have people like tang and jira council uh, looking after these kids and bringing back the homes, would there be consideration to actually having youth hubs or some sort of activities happening in town camps or those places if kids want to continue? I mean, in, in regards to having youth services at that time in those town camps, are there things that the Non-Territory Government are working with Tangangira Council? Absolutely. So the review that you've you've referenced was um, commissioned because the, the hub opening 24 was a trial. Um, from that, we looked at the, the review and, and it did recommend that we 
look at uh, where those young people. So we were able to identify through that process where young people were coming from, and some of them, not all of them, were mm. coming from town camps. So we've been we got some money in the budget this year um, through that process, and we've been working with Tunnanjia since then. Um, to set up a program. Now, we, we're stepping through that quite carefully um, to make sure that we um, don't set up something that um, will fail. So mm. we're, we're looking at, you, you know, you need spaces, you need the right staff, you need the right connections uh, for young people um, and the organisation itself. You also um, don't want to stigmatise uh, Tanangira um, with the way that that's sort of the hub has been stigmatised because, you know, these are our partners. Uh, it's really important that they feel um, that they're supported to do this work. And, it, and it's a new thing. So we've been working through that with them. I'm, I'm hopeful that over the next um, sort of week or so we'll have something agreed to so that we can have uh, those programs up and available um at the Christmas school holidays. But what I will also say on that, in this particular school holidays, whilst the hub's reduced to um, 10 p.m., there's 75 other activities being provided around Alice Springs. The Gap Youth Centre and mm. Browns uh, Street are still open, still running. We've got that bus uh, connecting young people with services. So there's a lot of things going on in Alice Springs. You know, just because we uh, put a couple of... Uh, hubs out into the youth space into the town camps doesn't mean it's the you know the fix all um it gives us another space to work with young people to really unpack why it is what's the drivers of young people being out so late um and and address some of those family uh, issues uh, that we know exist to make sure that those young people are supported to you know keep themselves on a good path can i also say to your listeners um that um, through our encounters with this, uh, the, the young people in and around Alice Springs, uh, the predominant amount of them are not up to mischief. Mm. They're actually out uh, for a, a variety of reasons. Um, and, you know, some of them are, are feeling quite um, stigmatised themselves um, and, and, you know, uh, have actually raised issues about why people think that they're all doing the wrong thing. So I think there's some really great young people in and around Alice Springs and uh, we'll continue to work with them to give them, a, you know, a really bright future. Some would argue a very much, a very deeper issue than trying to get youth off the streets as well, trying to fix you know, situations at home, which we probably don't have time to get into. No, and, po you know, poverty is a massive driver of these things and I think we don't talk about it enough. Um, we need to make sure that we uh, continue to bridge that gap um, and we continue to offer solutions. And um, I've said this yesterday and uh, to um, uh, while I was talking with someone is that uh, we're not afraid to fail. We need to know that we can try things um, in a safe space um, and and look at that. I don't consider the f hub was a failure. I think that was always going to be a trial. It did give us an opportunity to touch base with an awful lot of young people in and around Alice Springs and really understand some of those drivers better. And now we're working to for a range of solutions. And so putting um, these hubs out into town camps is not the ultimate solution, um, but it is a way forward. And we'll see how that goes. And and then if you see success, you obviously build on success. And if if it doesn't turn out how you want it to be or it fails to meet the objectives then you just do something else and we're not afraid to do that we've been saying that from the start what we're interested in getting some solutions not just uh, for these young people but also solutions for the you know the the broader Alice Springs community. The Youth Hub is still open 
at, like I mentioned, it's at reduced hours, but it's still there. Absolutely. Can you tell us a little bit about what's happening there? I mean, are there changes to activities? Can you give, give us a bit of info? You mentioned the Gap and Brown Street Youth Centres. I suppose we probably need to speak to them about what they're doing, but can you maybe give us an outline? Are you able to give us an outline yeah, of what's I, happening Yeah, I would there? really encourage you to speak to um, the Gap and Brown Street because we, we're funding them. We've been them ourselves. We can see the sorts of activities that they've got. Um, they've got, you know, uh, but in, in town here, there's, there's an area for, uh, basketball. There's, um, there's some, there's some television, there's, uh, some video games There's they're doing some, um, cooking, um, in groups and then obviously sharing food in the evening. They've, they've got hairdressers, uh, chairs set up there and somebody comes in and helps them with that. There's this just, just range, but there's also some really highly trained staff in there engaging and there's an opportunity for young people to sit down have a feed and think about it. As it gets later into the evening, they don't have those highly stimulating um, things go going. They might put a movie on and encourage young people to sit and watch a movie and um, and just relax in a in what's a safe space. Um, and that's um, that's the way they run their program. But it's really about their drivers around engagement and um, understanding, um, you know, what those young people are, are doing out and and how we can support them. Um, you know, to be in that in a safer home environment, and um, that's the big amount of work that happens. Minister Kate Warden, thank you very much for coming into Kama. We've covered a lot, and uh, I really appreciate you giving us time to speak to our listeners in remote uh, Central Australia and throughout Mbanjwa. You're always welcome. Thank right. you for having me.